But you know, sometimes you intend to go back and day gets busy and you never really get to it. So we always urge, you know, uh, rise a little bit early on Sunday morning. I know some people say, oh dear, all week I'm getting up early to go to work. Sunday morning is the only time that you have to sleep late. Well, perhaps we may try going into bed a little earlier so you could compromise. We hope that you'll take time to really allow God to get his word into our system. So we are grateful for all of you who are with us at this time. We encourage you to spread the word around. Remember, you could um, send information to all your friends, families. You never know who will join, who will tune in. But do invite many to come on because this program is designed to be evangelistic. It's designed to help people to understand the gospel, to know what God has done and what is required of us for our eternal salvation. This is what is important. One day we will leave this world. But where are we going to go? Is it that when we die all over it's like rubber and that's the end of it? No. We are too complex, too sophisticated, made with so much potential, talents and abilities. There has to be an accounting. And so we encourage you to take time to really cash in on the great treasures that God has given to us. All that was lost at the fall and more is available in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us give thanks. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us another day. And for this opportunity, O oh Lord, and for, for, for providing this channel for us so that we are able to put this material on. And we hope that many hearts will find their way here and they will open up, O oh Lord, to receive your word and to investigate the scriptures to see whether these things that we promote are indeed so or not. Lord, we ask for many who are desirous of obeying the gospel, who are searching for you, Lord, will be able to be directed to this point so that they can know and learn the truth and continue to investigate. We ask for your blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, well, if you have been with us for the past several weeks, we were looking at the two covenants and the aim was to Help us to understand in brief that the old covenant was an agreement made between God and the nation of Israel. Remember we defined the covenant. We're not going to go back to do all of that. You could go and get the program and you'll see it. 
but just to help you to understand that now we are saying we all of humanity live under the new covenant and the fact that we have old and new says they are not the same so while the old covenant was only for the nation of Israel then we see now that the new covenant is for all of humanity and this is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise that God made to this patriarch when he said to him that in your seed all families of the earth should be blessed and remember Abraham could not have children at that time but God gave him a blessing and a promise and he fulfilled that promise when Jesus came into the world and he gave his life and he died and rose from the dead then now a blessing that blessing spoken of by God to Abraham is now being fulfilled and so worldwide blessing is available if we will hear the gospel believe it and obey it then we can enjoy the blessings now then a lot of times we hear people speak of the Ten Commandments and in times such as ours when there is so much chaos and violence when so many seem to be concerned about the moral deterioration of our nation and nations at large often we hear a recommendation made by people what are they saying they say we need to go back we need to get back to the Ten Commandments as our code of conduct people are too liberal in their behavior and do what they want so although the motive for such an admonition is doubtless quite honorable it suggests a common though erroneous concept about the nature of the Ten Commandments in the first place most of us all who are non-Jews have never been under the Decalogue that's the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments were part of the Mosaic law and that system was given to the Hebrews or the Jews alone Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 1 to 5 is very clear when God through Moses said hear O Israel the statutes and the judgments that the Lord God has given to us this day in Horeb there Moses highlights that the covenant that God gave and he was talking about the Ten Commandments in the main because this is what he went up to the mount to receive and of course there was great significance why this is highlighted because of the behavior of the people God was now putting legislation in place that would help to control that kind of behavior the awareness of wrong behavior before God will now come into the fray as a legislative document that they needed to understand that if you do this this is going to happen and so Moses made it quite clear that God did not make the covenant with the fathers with the patriarchs but with even us he said who are alive here this day so it was to those persons who came out of Egypt now freed God brought them to Sinai and here after all the wilderness experiences and the extra wanderings because of disobedience God is now ready to give them a law that they would need to recognize that every time they tried to keep it and they fell short they would know that they needed something else and God would remind them through the prophets that a savior a messiah was going to come to bring relief for all of mankind the Jews also and especially at first so that the frustrations of trying to keep a law that you could never keep in your sinful state 
and therefore never come to a point where you feel as though I have done what God has asked me to do. Dependence must be on God. This is the nature of the gospel that humankind must recognize that it is not in sinful flesh to be able to serve God perfectly. So we need help. And so it's important. So the law was given to the Hebrews alone. That does not suggest that the ancient Gentiles were exempt from religious and moral responsibility. It does mean that non-Israelites were never amenable to the Mosaic code per se. So that being said, it is a logical fact that if one argues for the reinstitution of the Ten Commandments, he must, if consistent, contend that the Sabbath requirements are binding as well because it is contained in the Decalogue. This view, of course, is promoted by those proponents of observance of the seventh day and others that lean in this direction. But it does not reflect the biblical perspective. As we consider this particular area regarding the Sabbath, the main question that we are going to be asking is simply this. Should Christians keep the Sabbath? Should Christians keep the Sabbath? So it's important to understand that three things could be considered. Maybe we will have time to look at them in subsequent programs. But first of all, the church of the first century, as directed by inspired leaders, did not observe the Sabbath. That's a first consideration. Second, the unique features of the Old Testament Sabbath demonstrate that it was never designed to be an international requirement. It was national to the Hebrews. And third, the scriptures explicitly teach that the Sabbath has been abolished. So as we pursue these lines of thought, it is important for us to open our minds. Our aim here is not to try to prove who is right or wrong. God is the right one in the picture. We have all gone wrong. And we are all struggling and should be attempting to determine and to find out what is the truth in this matter. If you have come to know the gospel and understand the message of salvation and your heart has been convicted that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for the sin of the world, he was buried but he rose the third day and now salvation is proclaimed worldwide that people must by faith come to obedience of the gospel. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, it is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's the good news. Why? Because through that process, sins can be forgiven. God is now satisfied. Jehovah is satisfied that the price for sin has been paid with the innocent blood of his own son. So now we could forgive sin on that basis. Prior to that, the blood of bulls and goats was shed. But it could never satisfy the just demands of a holy God to forgive sin. So what did God do? By the faith of those who performed the rites that God required, their sins were, so to speak, rolled forward each year and come to the point when the Lamb of God, Jesus, when his blood was shed at Calvary, atonement was made for all past present and would-be sins to be committed. 
Why? Because Jesus did not die simply for acts of sin. He died to destroy the principle of sin. So Paul will say in Romans 6.14, Sin shall no longer have what? Dominion over you. So now a Jew commemorated the Sabbath, remembering how he, his ancestors, his children, were enslaved for four centuries under Egyptian violations and Egyptian rule and treachery. But now God delivered them. And because their, their slavery entailed toil, constant bondage of labor that didn't produce anything good for them, the whips of their taskmasters marred their backs. Their women and children were abused. And so they suffered. But now God brings them out of that kind of situation. And God says, you've been laboring for four centuries. Now here's what. I come... I. I, I uh, brought the world into existence, created the world six days and the seventh day, God rested from his labor. He says, you know what? My rest, I will give to you. So now here's what you need to do. You need to take the seventh day as a day of rest. And you must remember how God led you by a strong hand out of the land of Egypt. So on that seventh day, you shall do no work. No work. Anyone who violates that, and even as much as we are told by rabbis who work and live in the Jewish seminaries, they said on the Sabbath day, you dare not even flick the light switch. Because that was work. So you didn't do anything. It was a day of complete rest. For them, that would have meaning. You tell me what meaning that would have for a Gentile who never had any experience or history of slavery in Egypt. So we are saying then, as we consider first century practice, try as one might, he will search in vain for New Testament evidence that the primitive church, the early church, observed the Sabbath with apostolic approval. There's no evidence. But it certainly was the case that the apostles frequented the synagogues on the Sabbath day for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel. That's why they went. Why wouldn't they? Who would be in the synagogue? Jews. Who needed to understand? Who needed to realize? This is where the greatest concentration of Jews, people that they needed to teach the gospel, would have been. In Acts chapter 13, and about verse number 14, uh, verse 13 says, Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But going on from Perga, they arrived at Sidon, Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. Watch it, they didn't go there to worship. Watch the next verse. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent to them saying, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. And Paul stood up and motioned with his hand. He said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. What do you think he was going to talk about? The gospel. So he began to teach them concerning Jesus. It was an opportunity. He used that occasion. Now, there are those who hold on to Sabbath observance for the Christian, will tell us that, oh, the apostles went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't tell us they went there to observe the Sabbath. 
they went there so they could teach the gospel. In Acts chapter 17, verses uh, 1 and 2, Paul of Thessalonica, here's what it says. Now when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Somebody said, aha, uh -huh, you see, they're going there on the Sabbath day. Well, watch the text. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the scriptures. Do you suppose he was going there to convince them that they were supposed to keep the Sabbath? They already believed that they were supposed to keep the Sabbath. That's why they were in the synagogue. So he reasoned from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, This Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you, is the Christ. Now, therefore, what Paul would say to them would have a link to the resurrection of Jesus. And that resurrection would signal freedom from the bondage of sin took place on the first day of the week, the morrow after the Sabbath. So it's important to understand. Paul makes it clear in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So why do you think he went into the synagogues? Because to the Jew first. He's carrying the gospel. He's taking it to them and using the opportunity where they were present. If there are no people present, can you preach the gospel to walls? No. So because there were folks there. So where is the evidence then that the early church under divine guidance came together to worship God on the Sabbath? Remember we are looking at first century Christian practice. Okay? We need to understand a few things. And here are some important points. The kingdom of Christ was established on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verse number 1 clearly indicates to us it was the day of Pentecost that had fully come and of course they were gathered the disciples were gathered there by divine command coming out of Luke chapter 24 where Jesus' discourse to them that they should wait in the city of Jerusalem until they will receive power from on high so Acts chapter 2 records the kingdom of God being established now let me say this at this point in time there are those who would have us to believe that Christianity had its birthplace in Rome. Now, I want you to hear me carefully. They say Christianity had its birthplace in Rome. And therefore, that has brought a concept that the Roman Catholic Church was really the first and original church. And it is viewed as the mother church. So therefore, all of those protestant and spill-off and break-offs denominations recognize the RC church as the mother church but then they turn around and they curse the mother because they blame the mother for doing certain things as a matter of fact proponents of seventh-day observance said the RC church was responsible for changing that so it wasn't from divine command but see that concept is erroneous why it was during Roman times and Roman rule that Christ was born, that the church was established. But the church was established in the city of Jerusalem, according to Acts, the second chapter. 
Christianity had its birthplace in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. And when you read the text, you will see how the apostles, carefully under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God, presented the gospel and demonstrated what took place at Calvary and now was bringing to the fore the fact that the kingdom promised by Christ in Matthew 16 is now available. The doors are being opened. Peter has been given the keys and the keys are the gospel and he's proclaiming the gospel using the keys to open the kingdom to open access so that all those who accept that gospel and give obedience to it can enter into the kingdom of God we're gonna to have to pick this up in the next program okay and it's it's a little aside from some of the points but it provides I think an opportunity for us to try to understand the historical context and to know as we look at first century Christian practice there is really no evidence there that we could say the apostles or anyone else sanctioned commanded or even observed the Sabbath join us then don't forget if you haven't already subscribed please do so and of course you could click that notification bell so you'll always be alerted to when new content is on this channel God bless you and keep you until next time I am his prisoner bidding you Good day. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe What the Bible tells me I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe That he died on Calvary I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe That he came to set me free I believe, 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 I